When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. loved a girl her skin it was bronze with the innocence of a lamb she was gentle like a fawn i courted her proudly but now she is gone gone as the season she's taken through young summer's breeze i stole her away from her mother and sister though close did they stay each one of them suffering from the failures of their day with strings of guilt they tried hard to guide us of the two sisters i love the young with sensitive instincts she was the creative one the constant scapegoat she was easily undone by the jealousy of others around her. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheel, and Rob Kelly. And joining me this week to talk about Ballad in Plain D from 1964's The Another Side of Bob Dylan is fellow Bobcat Christopher Sutton. Hi, Christopher. Hi, Rob. How are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, happy to talk to you here on the show now. Now, this show, <laughs> this episode <laughs> that you're on, uh, this is this show is going to set two records simultaneously. Yes. For, okay. The first record is You Are the First Guest uh, that is in a relationship with another one of my guests. This, uh, I was wondering about that. That I know about. Uh, so <laughs> uh, we should explain to everybody that you are, of course, married to Elizabeth Sutton, who appeared on the show a couple of episodes ago to talk about She Belongs to Me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we will get into your history with, with Bob Dylan and, and how that involves Elizabeth and stuff shortly. And then the other record that we're going to set is this is the first song in 94 episodes. This is episode 94. In 94 mm-hmm. episodes of the show, this is a song I don't like. <laughs> I do not like this song. Uh, and, and I appreciated the fact that when you we talked about you being on the show – uh, you said you liked this song, and I thought this would be a fun challenge to see how this works out, to see whether you could change my mind maybe through your enthusiasm for Ballad and Plain D. But we'll get to all that shortly. Yeah. Uh, of course, I need to ask you, like, how did you become a fan of, of Bob? Okay, so what happened uh, with that was that I, I found him pretty young. Um, when I was younger, um, elementary school, middle school, I didn't really have that much interest in music. I kind of just listened to the radio, whatever my parents were listening to. And then when when I got to uh, high school, I found, uh, oddly enough, I found Bob Marley, and it kind of got me interested in music some. And then that summer or that uh, Christmas break, freshman year of high school, I went to a family picnic, and my mom's cousin started talking about Bob Dylan. And I didn't really know who he was, but... He talked about him so excitingly, I had to check him out in some way. So when I got home uh, that night, I uh, went and got um, The Greatest Hits of Volume 1. And I remember driving home uh, from the Best Buy with my mom, and she had to go into the—she had to stop by church or something to do something. And she went in there for a while, and I put it in. And it would—it just blew my mind immediately. Um, it was like—it's kind of hard for me to explain, but— we live in such a culture that so many things are parodied. And then I felt like I had run into that often, but kind of liked that sound and actually hearing him sing for the first time. It was like, I had found what I had been looking for in some way. Um, Cause immediately from the beginning, 
he his voice just was the greatest thing uh i could listen to um <laughs> it, it, yeah well it's kind of it's really funny hearing people talk how much they hate that about him but uh that was never uh something i ever thought twice about um yeah so so that was a freshman year of uh high school and then he, once i got into him he just threw dylan just opened the world of music and specifically blues i got super into blues music uh like a uh, Reverend Gary Davis and uh, Mississippi John Hurd, and I found him through him through Dylan. Um, I have uh, like one specific memory of uh, in speech class in high school. To give some kind of speech that was longer than eight minutes, so I just looked at all the Dylan songs that were really long that I could maybe choose from. <laughs> at the time, "It's All Right, Mall" was my favorite one. And it, funny enough, it was only the, the only time that I felt kind of betrayed by Dylan in some way, because I remember reading through that and I thought I did a pretty good job. But then at the end, the teacher asked the class how they thought I did. And someone raised their hand and said that I uh, said uh, guillotine wrong because I said guillotine. Oh. But I was like, they're wrong. They have no idea what they're talking about, because that's what Dylan says. And then the teacher immediately agreed with them and uh, marked me down some. But uh <laughs> So, so yeah so um he he was something that uh i just gravitated to immediately and uh, has always been with me i mean in uh, college i had two giant giant posters of him up on my wall and when i had to take him down at the end of the year my uh, roommates were really happy about that oh <laughs> yeah right i mean they also uh, regulated my uh time that i could play dylan in our uh, dorm room oh well what did they listen to right yeah that's a good it was uh, <laughs> mostly the strokes <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it was like strokes and a uh, Dylan coming from our room most of the time. Okay. And a good All right. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so when you met Elizabeth, how soon into your relationship did you both discuss? Did you know that going in or was that a discovery oh, yeah. after the fact? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, she immediately, one of the first things uh, that we kind of uh, bonded over through talking was um, that Rolling Stone article that came out in uh, what, 2000. Five or something that's listed the best songs of all time and uh, like a rolling stone was number one and i was so excited about that at the time and i guess in the moment she on the other um in uh, new orleans was really upset that radiohead did not uh, in some way uh, get that title oh right so, right she mentioned that on the show have she yeah, was initially so have- mad about that yeah yeah. yeah, which is really funny that we were just having those different experiences. Of, uh, I mean, I felt like on, I was on cloud nine. They're like, oh, yeah, of course. How could that not be uh, the number one song? And she was uh, having a completely different reaction. And uh, <clears throat> I think it was something that uh, her mom was uh, never really uh, a fan of Dylan. So she kind of, uh, you know, didn't really uh, invest too much in him. But she uh, had no way of escaping it uh, once she started uh, being with me. Because uh, the biggest thing I would play right now... Uh, the, the most stuff that I listen to is either rap and Bob Dylan. So everything that's played out of my car is uh, either rap or Bob Dylan. So she uh, was immediately um, um, engrossed in it. Um, and I think his language is something that really stuck out to her because she's a fantastic writer. And yes. Yes. I, you really can't listen to a Dylan song without um, being really into uh, his lyrics in some way, I think. That's true. Yeah, maybe not wiggle wiggle, but for the most part, yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, that's fantastic. I'm sure that uh, if Bob ever knew, like he would love to hear that through him, you went and mm-hmm. discovered these older guys. Like I, I, I feel like that would just really charm him because I mean, we obviously he loves all those old guys, 
Mm-hmm. And so he's got to figure that part of the, what what he's doing, you know, he's you know, is is bringing that kind of thing up to the fore by being, you know, by by having his influences so readily on his sleeve. So he would probably love to hear that, you know, that you found that stuff through him. Yeah. Well, I love being a little bit older now and realizing that it's so obvious how much he loves music. And I think that's something that I really admire about him. And I feel like I've kind of uh, taken on through him, which I I really appreciate. Fantastic. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, So you, you've taken on quite a challenge here uh, (laughs) because you're here to talk about ballad in in plain D and I have made no bones about the fact that this is a, one of a handful of songs uh, of Dylan's that I just don't like. And uh, there's multiple reasons yeah. why. And I will admit, I will admit, I have not listened to the song in years. Like, it's just okay. not a song that I listen to. <laughs> but, of course, I pulled it out again for this episode, and I listened to it all the way through. Now, first of all, this thing runs eight minutes, which is yes. absurd for how long <laughs> it is. It is absurd. Um, I will admit, I it was more melodic than I remember, like what kind of what I, and I've mentioned this in previous episodes, like my big beef with the whole record, the other side record is I feel like the, the, the lyrics are great. The songs are great, but I feel like the, the melody or the instrumentation is so spare that I just feel like he's done a lot of these songs better in other guises or other covers. You know, people have covered them in other ways. Um, this one, I, I just, uh, uh, <laughs> Okay, why don't you t- why don't you tell me why you are willing to defend this song? Let's talk. Let's go that way. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things that I love so much about him are just the long songs in general. He he really got me into um, liking songs that are over ten minutes, say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which when I find other musicians now, that's something that I immediately gravitate to. So when I first got into him after the greatest hits, I started getting a free willing. Um, for some reason, the times they are changing, I didn't get immediately. I must have gotten a free willing and uh, another side of Bob Dylan. And just the fact that it did run so long, I did like that about it. Okay. And during that time, I have never really been one to delve too, too, too deep into the lyrics at times, just because for me, his music has always been so much about the music, about, you know, what was I, what was happening in my life when that song kind of took over my mind and that's all I could really think about. And so that's something that I associate so much with Dylan. And I liked that this song was something that I immediately knew what the, what he was talking about. You know, there's no really hiding a lot of uh, what he's feeling and uh, thinking throughout the song, which I really appreciated. Um, so that was something that I, I really liked. And it's something that I think he, needed to get out in some way, which I can appreciate now as I'm older. Um, for example, I, uh, do a lot of uh, artwork and I've been drawing these, uh, flower paintings, but I don't um, put the stem on them. It's just kind of like the tops of the flowers. And I was getting a lot of comments, um, from the, an older generation that, uh, why wasn't I putting stems on the flowers? So I did this small <laughs> little, yeah. So I did this small little series of, uh, vases with just stems and like the flowers on the table and uh, i kind of felt like an asshole doing that but i also felt like i needed to do it because it was like i was reacting to the environment throughout my artwork and i like that he did that in some way even though it is very serious what he's talking about 
Yeah, I, I, I uh, <laughs> my, my, my beef with it, the song is just that it's, it's not that it's mean because obviously mm-hmm. he's done other mean songs. A couple episodes right. ago, I talked about positively Fourth Street, which is probably the meanest song he's ever written, and I love that song. Mm-hmm. I, there's just something about the fact that we know this is about real people. I mean, he's talking mm-hmm. about Suze Rotolo and his her sister Carla Rotolo, and right. and. It's like he we don't get to hear their side of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just feels like just unfair to kind of drag this out in front of everybody where they can't respond properly. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I will say going over the lyrics, there's a couple things that like, first of all, in the first verse yeah. uh, where he talks about Suze and he says, with the innocence of a lamb, she was gentle like a fawn. I'm kind of not a fan of those metaphors of talking about women like I completely agree with that. Yeah, I think that's, uh, little, I think that's one of the roughest things. little doe-eyed creatures. I mean, Suze Rotolo was a pretty <laughs> pretty savvy person. I don't get the mm-hmm. read that she was this sort of like innocent wood nymph kind of thing. So that's a little clumsy. But my big problem is the fourth verse, which will which is the next verse, which is for her parasite sister. I had no respect, bound by her boredom, her pride to protect, countless visions of the others she'd reflect as a crutch for her scenes and her society. I can't, I, to me, calling someone a parasite is just so off the beam nasty that yeah. I, it, to me, it just, it may, it, it, the, the song just screeches to a halt when I hear that line. Because I'm just like, <laughs> oh, that's so mean, Bob. Come on. <laughs> so that's my, that's like my thing with it is just that. That bit, I just, I don't know. Again, you, you tell me. What, 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 do you, what else <laughs> well, do you like about it? Well, I totally understand uh, what you're talking about because, I mean, it, it is pretty harsh. And he is absolutely, I mean, we know there's no hiding who he's talking about. We know right. that he's talking about uh, Susie's sister. And Parasite is such a brutal um, word. And I think, uh, especially the line about the countless visions of the others she reflect. Like, he, it, it's obvious that in some way he felt that she was living through Susie's life or right. something like that. Yes. I felt like, and I, maybe it's something, maybe it's just, uh, knowing being closer, being, you know, close to the age that he was when he was writing this, I can just totally understand that he wasn't really thinking about the circumstances and that maybe even that, you know, it is going to be around forever that he really just needed to, you know, he was just so upset with this situation, and this was the only way that he felt like he could go get through it. I mean, I feel like a lot of other Dylan songs, um, Dylan fans are trying to specifically say, who is this about? Right. We want it to be about somebody. And I kind of like that this is like, hey, I'm telling you exactly what this is about. <laughs> and there's no, you don't have to, you know, stay up at night thinking about it. I, I, I want you to know who I'm talking about because this is, so hurtful to me. I don't even really know how to hide how hurt I am. Right. I could see that. I mean, he definitely, yeah, he lays it all. It's kind of very not, this song's a lot nastier, but it reminds me of Sarah from Desire, you know, where it's like, okay, this is boom, here it is. You know, I'm going to talk about my wife. I'm going to use her name. I'm going to mention that I wrote Sad Eye Lady of the Lowlands. I mean, it's, it's just boom right Right. out there. Now I will say after that verse, uh, mm-hmm. He does get into some stuff that is more self-reflective and self-accusatory, which I like. He says, myself for what I did, I cannot be excused. All right, there you go. Okay, I'm on board here. The changes I was going through can't even be used for the lies that I told her in hopes not to lose. The could-be dream lover of my lifetime with unknown consciousness I possessed in my grip, a magnificent mantelpiece 
throw its heart being chipped, noticing not that I'd already slipped to a sin of love's false security. From silhouetted anger to manufactured peace, answers of emptiness, voice vacancies, till the tombstones of damage read me no questions, but please, what's wrong and what's exactly the matter? I mean, once I get past that fourth verse in the Parasite Sister, mm-hmm. like, this is incredibly dense lyrics in terms of the yeah. the way the lines are constructed. It's pretty remarkable when you read them. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, this is a pretty amazingly written song. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, especially that line about the mantelpiece. I really like that idea because yeah. I can, I, I don't know, I can see like a silhouette of Dylan and you can like, uh, like a mantle, I don't know, glowing in his chest or something and <laughs> like slowly cracking away something along those lines. Um, but I, I totally agree. It's, I mean, it's nice that he's, is talking about himself i will say that the the line where he says the changes i was going through can't even be used that seems kind of a funny to me in a dylan way that he's like trying to be outside of his body in the moment and how he'll look back at it later on because mm-hmm. i mean how, how how much could he have learned in like the months or whatever that this, this incident did occur right right i, mean, I can't imagine it's the pressure cooker he was under and you know i imagine it would probably i don't exactly remember when he met Suze rotolo but i mean he was he was not Bob Dylan at that point. He was he was a rising star, but right. nothing to the level he became. And so I would imagine that that probably does a lot of damage to uh, the relationship uh, because I mean, all of a sudden he's you know met with this amazing fame, and you have everybody telling him how awesome he is and stuff like that. Um, I mean, he literally there's a quote from him himself where I think he was talking to Bill Flanagan in an interview where he was asked about this song. And his quote was, oh, yeah, that one. I look back and I say, I must have been a real schmuck to write that. I look back at that particular one and say, of all the songs I've written, maybe I could have left that one alone. So even even the author himself was kind of like, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe not that. Now, of course, it doesn't really matter what Bob thinks of it at this point. The, art, the, the artist creates the art. And once the art is out there, it's up to everyone else's job to, to uh, you know, process it and interpret it the way they want. It doesn't matter. But nevertheless, it is sort of funny that Bob himself would even come out and say, yeah, I probably shouldn't have written that. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, one of the things that I, I do like about uh, this song, though, too, is that as someone that has gone through a uh, breakup in some way, that I, I really can feel just his, his sadness. And especially... Uh, um, the line about with strings of guilt, they tried hard to guide us, mm-hmm. um, where it's obviously talking about uh, her parents and, and sister. Um, but, for example, when I first started uh, dating Elizabeth, my parents, for whatever reason, called me up and decided to tell me that I was spending too much time with her, <gasps> which really, yeah, it's like, uh, all right, well, fuck you guys, but I'll try to figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> and uh so it's like you know i don't know what they were thinking in the moment but for some reason they uh you know put their uh um views on or their ideas of what i needed to be doing on me so that's you know lines like that i think are just very relatable which i which i really like um even the line about of the two sisters i love the young with sensitive instincts she was a creative one i mean that's elizabeth exactly she's a younger uh, of the two uh, sisters and she is uh, more creative than uh, her older sister which is something that uh, attracted me so much to her i, I which hope I for dylan i hope you get along better with elizabeth's sister than bob did with carla yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 good 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 i mean 
To to be fair to Miss Rotolo, uh, who passed away in August 2014, um, in 1986, I found I found this little factoid was very funny. She was credited with compiling the recordings for a 134 track Bob Dylan bootleg collection called Zimmerman Ten of Swords. It is considered quote the most famous Bob Dylan bootleg of all time. I don't know about that. I would think that's still <laughs> great. Why wonder? But in a shot at Bob Dylan's Bound and Plain D, printed on the back of the multi record set is quote This album was compiled. Piled by Carla Rotolo, chairperson of the board, PSA, Parasite Sisters Anonymous. <laughs> so obviously Carla got over it pretty quickly. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I had not heard that at all. And that's that's phenomenal. I love hearing that. <laughs> so, I mean, again, you got to go around living your life with like, oh, Bob Dylan wrote about you and called you a parasite. How do you feel about that? <laughs> ah, well, you know, what are you going to do? But, yeah. I, but I will say this album is that bridge between the – sort of straight ahead folky stuff of freewheeling and times and then the surrealistic mm-hmm. flights of fancy in bringing it all back home and of course highway 61 and blonde on blonde i mean he continues on he says and so it did happen like it could have been foreseen the timeless explosion of fantasy's dream at the peak of the night the king and the queen tumbled all down into pieces the tragic figure her sister did shout, leave her alone, god damn you, get out. Even saying god damn you on a record in 1964 <laughs> is pretty out there. And in my ar- and I in my armor turning about and nailing her to the ruins of her pettiness. Beneath a bare light bulb, the plaster did pound her sister and I in a screaming battleground. And she in between, the victim of sound, soon shattered as a child neath her shadows. All is gone, all is gone. Admit it, take flight. I love that line. I gagged twice, doubled, tears blinding my sight. My mind, it was mangled. I ran into the night, leaving all of love's ashes behind me. The window, the the wind knocks my window. The room, it is wet. The words to say I'm sorry I haven't found yet. I think of her often and hope whoever she's met will be fully aware of how precious she is, which is nice. That's kind of a nice thing. Like, she's going to meet somebody else. I hope they realize how good she is. And then he he ends with, ah, my friends from the prison, they ask unto me, how good, how good does it feel to be free? And I answer them most mysteriously, are birds free from the chains of the skyway? So, you know, I I mean, he clearly worked on this and labored on it because this is pretty, again, I said, pretty, pretty dense bunch of lyrics here. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a a few things uh, that uh, I want to bring up in this stanza. First of all, I got my lyrics from uh, BobDylan.com, which it sounds like maybe that's what. Okay. But some of the words are different than what are actually in the song. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Well, what what is behind that? Do you know, have any theories or anything? I think he's constantly rewriting. And at some point they have to, you have to officially submit official lyrics for the song to be copyrighted. And uh, I think maybe at some point it could be that even after he's recorded it, he's still mm-hmm. tweaking it. And then he had, he sends it off to, in this case, uh, 1992 Special Writer Music. Uh, it was copyrighted. So that I think that's what goes on is that he's always rewriting. And it doesn't even matter necessarily what the recorded version is. It's the version that is submitted to the to, – to, you know, the associated whatever thing of, mus- of musicians. That's the mm-hmm. version that gets registered. So that's why there's – you would think BobDylan.com would be the official word. But, of course, it kind of yeah. isn't in some ways. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Okay. And uh, the other thing uh, that uh, comes up in my mind with this stanza is when I was um, trying to apply to colleges, when I wrote my essay for Emerson College, I specifically chose the stanza – Beneath a bare light bulb, the plaster did pound. Those four lines under uh, in that stanza as the opening of my um, essay to, to get into the college. Hmm. So 
my thought is is was the person that read that a huge Dylan fan and like what they chose Ballin and playing D I guess uh, move on to the next uh, candidate. <laughs> <laughs> I always uh, thought about that, especially when I heard that uh, it was not a song that uh, you were uh, that into. Right. I mean, it's just like I said, it's it. it, I kind of mentioned this um, back a bunch of episodes, a bunch of episodes ago, excuse me, when I talked about With God on Our Side, where I I like that song. But the line about uh, the Jews in the ovens they fried, it's just such a, a, a it's just such a hideous line, even though it's accurate and everything else. It just yeah. to me it, it it almost derails the song, and so that to me, if he had called R- Carla Rotolo anything else but a parasite, <laughs> I, I might be more you know. First of all, I do think the song just goes on too long. I just think eight minutes is just not necessary. But but I can live with that because just in the previous episode I talked about Highlands, and that song is seventeen mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It, it really, I just feel like that one word is so mean spirited. That I, mm-hmm. it just it to me it just colors the whole thing and it makes him seem very petulant and very mean spirited and that I just I just eh. now that said you know like I don't I guess I mean Bob himself obviously we just talked about he didn't find it to to be a, a song worth writing and then I I looked it up on uh, Bob Bob Dylan dot co uk that uh, that uh, website all about Bob's lyrics written by Tony Atwood and in his review of it the first line is it is difficult to find very many people that make much have much good to say about Bowd and Plain D so I'm like <laughs> okay I'm not you know, not that it matters but I'm not in the mi- minority here that said apparently Bob rehearsed this in 1978 uh it never made it onto and it was never performed live back then but it, it's as much as he didn't like it he did give it some consideration and you can actually hear the song being sung by Gordon Lightfoot in the background during one scene in Ronaldo and Clara. So, I mean, it's oh, it, it's not a song that he has totally abandoned, even though by Bob Dylan.com's official count, it has never been performed live. He mm-hmm. still he still found something to it. And reading the lyrics, listening to it again, I feel like maybe if he had taken another pass at this, like mm-hmm. had just trimmed it a little, gotten rid of the parasite line. Maybe you could have shaped this into something that it would have been like, oh, okay, this is great. But as we all know, he went into the recording of Another Side with Bob Dylan intending to record the entire album in one night. And yeah, yeah, I think that's he just didn't give himself the chance to kind of sit, really think about it and say – Mm, maybe I could tweak this a little, a little bit here and there. Yeah, totally. But I, I, you know, the other side of me is like, no, don't change anything, any part of it. I, I mean, this song is. I have so many memories of singing this song in my car, uh, driving around uh, Vienna, Virginia, when I was younger, um, and I never really thought too much about it being. Uh, as cruel as it is, which I totally agree on. And it would be interesting to know what he might, uh, what he would replace Parasite with if he wasn't trying to be uh, so harsh in some way. <laughs> but one of the things that really made me want to choose this song um, when talking to you was literally two nights before I heard you comment about not liking it on an episode. It had brought me to tears when I was uh, working on the painting. So I was just like, I don't know. It was something I, I didn't even think twice. Think too much about um, that people would not uh, would not like it. I mean, I, I've even heard people saying that another side about Dylan is you know n- not one of their uh, favorite albums. Which I thought it has. I mean, I think it has some amazing uh, some amazing stuff on. Oh, it does. It absolutely yeah. does. 
and I think this was probably pretty controversial, but I always thought, uh, you know, Chimes of uh, Freedom was the one that um, was never really my uh, favorite on the, on the album. That's See, that's another one. I think the song is great, but I think there have mm-hmm. been versions later on that are better. Uh, yeah. I, there's actually a, a cover by Bruce Springsteen uh, that I actually like more than Bob's original, which I know feels like it's okay. heresy to say, but uh, <laughs> that's the one I listed. Just to me... And we're kind of getting off topic a little bit. To me, it's like Chimes of Freedom requires a kind of like big arrangement because of the word. And just him being so spare with the, it just to me, I'm like, this just doesn't match what I'm hearing. But mm-hmm. I will say, again, having reconsidered the song for this show, because I'd like to keep an open mind, you know, I mean, again, I, yeah. to be fair, I haven't listened to it in many years. I was like, well, I should give it another pass. It is not. It is not as dire as I remember it. And reading the words again, clearly he worked very hard on the poetry of it. I mean, some of these images are pretty amazing. You talk about the mantle and stuff like that. I mean, that's uh, that that is amazing. Like chains of the Skyway. Like there is some wonderful imagery here. I'm still not completely sold. I will say, but <laughs> I I I appreciate the fact that you were willing to kind of take it on uh because again it's yeah. if, it, if it works for you that's fantastic I think it brings you to tears that's amazing that's an amazing thing yeah i, I agree i mean it's a it's something that dylan has always uh, been able to do you know i've always when talking to other people the best thing about dylan is no matter what mood you're in you're going to find a song to fit that mood and the more you know about dylan the more that song just immediately pops in your head which i love that is true. He has material for every conceivable situation, every emotion <laughs> that you're possibly ever going to feel. He's got it. He's got something. Yeah. yeah. And he, I mean, as I've grown up from being 14 when I discovered him to 31 now, I have just been there's just so much Dylan. It's hard to to even listen to it all. And it seems like every month or I'm just finding a new song that I just love. Um, when I was younger, his um, newer stuff um was something that didn't um, appeal to me as much as it does now. However, when I listened to Not Dark Yet at that time, I immediately knew, oh, he is incredible during this time. It's just not quite for me yet. I'll still be involved in everything that I love so much and everything that might not be my favorite right now is going to kind of grow in me over the years. And I mean, now I love many tracks on empire for less. I mean, there's just, so <laughs> much it's just open. It just keeps on growing. And he just is something that's been a constant throughout my, my life uh, since that time, which is uh, just feels, I, I don't have any other artists in my life that's ever done something like that. That's wonderful. And that, that is something that is great about Bob fans is that I think every single thing the man's ever done, there is somebody out there who will defend it tooth and nail, yeah, which I yeah, really absolutely. appreciate it. I mean, there's somebody on Twitter that is always like, oh, and man, Empire Belesque is one of my favorites. And I'm just like, what the hell? But I appreciate I totally give that's great. I mean, there's got to be, you know, there's probably somebody out there who's like Hearts of Fire. Great movie. Like, OK, sure. I mean, but that's what's great about it. It's it, it, mm-hmm. it, it speaks to I mean, the art is the art. And if it speaks to you, then it speaks to you. Um, um, right. I certainly can appreciate the the sense of regret and sadness that he's trying to convey here. I, again, I don't think he quite puts it across. I just think that the meanness of it is just a little – just leans too heavy on that. But nevertheless, I have a better appreciation of this than I did before. And so I have to thank you for that because I never would have done an episode on Ballad and Plain D had you not asked. And the one little last piece of trivia I will mention is I was looking at uh, reading over Clinton Halen's book, uh, Bob Dylan, A Life in Stolen Moments, where he chronicles Bob's life from basically from birth up until 1995 when he wrote it. And he mentions that 
according to what he heard, in mid-July of 1964, in a concert in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Dylan did do this song. Now, oh. BobDylan.com does not list that. It says that there have been no performances. But I don't, I don't know where Halen got that information. And there have been times where Halen's information conflicts with uh, what BobDylan.com says. And we, you would think BobDylan.com is the ultimate authority, but not always, sometimes. So I would love to know how he knows that. And if he does, like, is there a recording of that? Because I would, I would genuinely love to hear a, a live version of this, of whether Dylan too. changed it. You know, is it the kind of thing where the minute he put Parasite Sister out there, he was kind of like, oh, man, maybe I should have done that. They changed the words. I mean, did he did he change the melody, which is, of course, based on a song called Once I Had a Sweetheart. We didn't mention that. It's based on an old folk tune, also known mm-hmm. as The Forsaken Lover. So I would love to know, like, did he would he ever I mean, we know how malleable these songs are and how he keeps changing them. If he if he tackled this again, like what would he do to it? That would be really interesting to know. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I mean, it would be nice to hear those, especially at different times of his life. I mean, if for whatever reason he did that now, what would his first thought even be um, when trying to reorganize it in some way? Yeah. But that that makes me feel awesome that you uh, maybe uh, are having uh, different thoughts on this song uh, now that you've uh, checked, rechecked it out over all those years. Yeah, absolutely. So next up is Joey, I guess. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I will say too that uh, on uh, YouTube there is a uh, alternate take of uh, of this, but it's only like uh, two two minutes and ten seconds or something. So it's uh, just the first uh, couple of lines. Right. I think he there was a couple of songs. A lot of the songs from when he did another set, he got in basically one take. But there was a couple that he you know <laughs> did like false starts and things like that. And so I mean, imagine this one. This, again, this is lyrically dense. This is something else. This will be sort of the last thing on this. Is I think of is like. Dylan doesn't get enough credit for his verbal dexterity. I mean, I have learned myself just like reading the lines out loud for these episodes. Sometimes I can't do it. Yeah, for certain, you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm sitting here reading it, not trying to sing it. And even I am stumbling over the word just because it's hard to say some of these phrases, especially this song where like you have a lot of kind of like backwards grammar and things like that. There's kind of some Yoda stuff going on here where it's going backwards and like just being able to sing it. And even if it takes you five or six takes, just getting it down is pretty amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I would love to hear have a bootleg that's just the outtakes on that. I mean, my favorite thing about these giant bootlegs, like the cutting edge and everything, is just hearing those moments where he's talking to producers. Oh, I love that stuff. It's incredible. I mean, I, I, yeah, I love it. Just having uh putting a cutting edge that giant box set on uh just a random shuffle is a lot of fun i think absolutely Abs- yeah I, I really i could listen to like a whole bootleg of just him why don't yeah. we why don't we try it in d you know that kind of thing. i just love all that stuff that's fantastic so well anyway christopher thank you so much for 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 sort of taking the bit in your teeth and and willing to come on for the first time to talk about a song that i actively did not like i appreciate it and i appreciate you uh making this attempt and and that actually you know i'm willing to kind of like i hear it and and you've you have managed your enthusiasm for the song has changed my mind on it a little bit and i appreciate that cause Excellent. i i i want I want to like everything. You know what I mean? I want to. I don't I don't want to not like stuff, especially when it comes from something that I really love. I kind of feel that way about like the the Star Wars prequels. I hate those movies, but I am I'm envious of people that do like them because it's like, well, that means you have just so much more Star Wars to watch. So good for you. You know, I mean, I want to like stuff. So I really appreciate you coming on. I think this is this was a lot of fun. So where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, well, well, 
same, Rob. I want to say thank you so much for having me on. The fact that uh, I have been able to come here and kind of talk about my story uh, with with uh, Bob Dylan and kind of how what he means to me really means a lot, and I, I really appreciate that. Well, thank um, you. Yeah, and uh, so people uh, can find me um, either on uh, Twitter and Instagram. My uh, wife Elizabeth and I have a uh, movie blog um, that's uh, C underscore E. Uh, watch movies and you can also check out my art instagram which is um only on instagram but it's atx art 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 and uh, i do a lot of uh wild collages and uh mostly flower paintings right now but i am working on uh, a few dylan uh, collages so hopefully i I finish those up within the next few months to uh post those so oh very cool i I, that was my first uh I, that's that was stuff I did in art school. I did Dylan related collages. That's fantastic. Very cool. Well, we'll have yep. that link in the show notes. Excellent. Sounds good. All right. Well, again, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to listen to back episodes of the show, go to the website firewaterpodcast.com. There you can leave comments about any this or any of the other episodes. You can find also back episodes on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. And we are always talking Bob over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. So again, thanks everybody for listening. And until the next episode, uh, take it easy. Bye. The wind knocks my window. The room, it is wet The words to say I'm sorry I haven't found yet I think of her often And hope whoever she's met Will be fully aware Of how precious she is Friends from the prison They ask unto me How good, how good Does it feel to be free And I answer them Most mysteriously Are birds free From the chains of the skyway?